Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes, the story between podcast where we see new movies, the newest movies, the most new movies that you could possibly see, except for the times when we cover movies that are not so new. So, you know, we do what we want. We make the rules. It's our podcast. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my dad's my dad's fine. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say fuck you to him. Uh, my name's Robbie. I I sometimes say fuck thirty seconds into the podcast. Um, uh, yeah, this is a, this is a story from podcast. We talk about movies. Uh, if you guys like this stuff, or if you're like, I'm not really into this one, but there are other podcasts I might want to listen to. You can always sit to the website. You can find all of our amazing content there. We have many shows with different hosts. You aren't me, and they don't say fuck thirty seconds into the podcast. That's kind of a a, a baby exclusive, which is my other name. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm Robbie. I'm here to talk about a very very special movie. Uh, I'm joined by Bernadette Gorman White. How are you, Bernadette? Great. I'm happy to be here. Super excited yeah. to both talk about this film specifically. But also to get like maybe better educated on the choices that they made in this film. I'm excited to see like if some of these things had ever been done before. So I'm excited to like pick your brain yes. at the same time. I'm excited to I'm excited for to us to pick each other's brains as monkeys do bugs from their friends' heads to clean them. Yes, I think bats you know might I- do that too. Hard to say. We'll get do into it. Do bats do that? Wow, that's cool. See, you're educating me on on like actual bat stuff. Maybe, maybe. Don't quote we'll me. Have to look that up during the break. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, spoilers. We're talking about the Batman. Matt Reeves, the Batman, takes place in a gritty, dark Gotham City, ridden with crime. Uh, yeah, this has been the hype juice. Superhero movie so far of 2022 at the moment. Uh, the long-awaited The Batman movie got delayed a little bit. Now we're here. Um, the Batman movie that had some really good trailers leading up to it. The Batman movie that has come out, and maybe at the time that you're listening, is a bit divisive among some. Strangely but, uh, so. Strangely so, because we're going to jump right into it. Uh, Bernadette, I want to hear your thoughts on The Batman, but please... For the uninitiated, people have maybe heard me talk about Batman many times if they listen to our Batarang podcast, so they kind of know where I'm at with the Dark Knight. Um, I like Batman. Uh, that's where I'm at with it. But, Burn, what's your what's your like Batman history? What's your favorite? What's your least favorite? What What's your temperature going into the Batman with the titular Dark Knight? So, the only Batman that I haven't seen is Ben Affleck's Batman. I haven't seen him on screen playing Batman oh, at all. So that's, Good for you. <laughs> that's my that's blind awesome. spot. Um, Sick. I, I'm also not super well versed in all of like the animated films um, mm-hmm. or the animated series. I've, I've seen Batman in the animated Justice League. Um, but that's very different from like the other animated Batman shows and films. Um, yeah, it's like it's Kevin Conroy. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like it's like kind of is that animated series Batman. So you might be more familiar with it than than you may think. Possibly. Yeah. And I've seen Kevin yeah. Conroy do characters in the Venture Brothers. And it's kind of like a play on his character in Batman, Batman kind of. So I've nice. seen that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but I love all types of batman um i really like the early campy stuff i think that's great um i really like the tim burton camp as well um obviously love the christopher nolan batman movies i think like when you and i were, were pretty close in age earlier in high school yeah 
Like when it was Spider-Man and Batman, like those were like the superheroes you would go and see. Um, I found that to be a very exciting time. Uh, I loved Batman Begins. And I think what Nolan did with that trilogy was great. And you always kind of wonder, like, well, what am I getting with this new Batman? And there were moments during this film, The Batman, where I wondered, is this the best Batman movie I've ever watched? Like, I really, really enjoyed it. I liked how different it was. And I responded to it very, very well. Um, I think it's very dumb that people aren't into this. I guess Sophia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sophia at Wonder Bar had told me that some people had just like left before the movie even was over because it was just too long for them. And I know it's long, but what a way to like give up and throw in the towel towards the end of this movie. It's just... I don't know. I loved it. It's, it's not like it's boring. No. Like, they're doing shit the entire time. <laughs> like, he's in the bat suit. Like, the, okay, we're not going to spoil the movie, right. but like spoilers, he's he's being Batman almost the entire movie. Yeah. He's Bruce Wayne very few times. And the times he's Bruce Wayne is very interesting. We'll talk about that. But yeah, we will, just so everyone knows, you know, this movie, we're not going to spoil it before. We'll do a spoiler, you know, section later on in the episode. So this will be spoiler free. As much as possible, um, probably best that you just go see the movie before listening to any of this stuff. Definitely. I would recommend. Because um, we're we're only human. Uh, yeah, Brian, I'm very, I'm happy to hear that you really liked it. Um, I, I also, I've seen it twice now. So I spent six of those fucking chumps that are walking out of the movie before you three hours, Rob. I've seen it. <laughs> so you've been doing six hours of the Batman opening weekend. Awesome. Uh, I actually saw, I saw it in IMAX the other day. Dope. Um, it was cool. Yeah, it was really big. Um, but not, you know, I feel like IMAX was like one of those things where you're just like, fuck, IMAX, you gotta see these movies in IMAX, it's crazy. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not really sure what the big deal is. I guess I guess I'm just, I don't know. Maybe more for sound than for visuals? Like, So, at the AMC I went to, AMC like fucking sucks, by the way, sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's but hit or I, mess for sure. Yeah. Um, I... So we went to the IMAX one, but right across there was like an earlier viewing where they're doing like the Adobe like Atmos sound. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel like that's actually the one to go to because I feel like that would actually be like a different experience. But I will say like the IMAX screen, like for a second viewing and, and kind of knowing what to look for and the screen being just like so unbelievably massive. I did feel like some like framing and like little details actually like were a little bit easier to spot on the second round. Kind of had like having a magnifying lens on the thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, I really like the Batman. My my first viewing of it, um, I watched it with my girlfriend Claire, who's like probably the biggest Batman fan I've ever met. Oh, and, and I I didn't and know I that. Love that. It's awesome. Yeah, she's so into Batman. She loves all things Batman. We watched so much Batman leading up to it. It's been awesome. She's a little Bat nerd, um, <laughs> and so we're leaving the movie, and she's just like vibrating with excitement even during the whole movie she's like vibrating with excitement which is like funny because when we watched no way home that was like me like i like during no way home i was the one who was just like this is fucking crazy and like i love batman but i was like i was hearing some of the discourse earlier around the movie and it wasn't like souring my like opinion on the movie but i was just like all right there's like this isn't like a clear-cut win necessarily like i want to see and you know i watched it the first time and I was like almost like overwhelmed by the movie because I was just like, I mean, I love the vibe of it. That was cool. That was cool. This maybe feels redundant. I mean, I've seen this before. I don't know. Like, and, you know, just kind of going through it. It was just it was kind of like so much to take in because it was such like. 
it was a very unique take on on the thing, and it was just doing so much different shit that I wasn't expecting to be in a Batman movie because this movie's kind of more of like a Zodiac movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Batman movie. It's, it's much more like Zodiac and Seven than it is like Batman. Yeah, it's um, like Detective which Noir, think, which is great. Yeah, it's sick. And um, when we watched it the second time, I was kind of able to like you know now like the hype's removed. I can now just kind of watch it as like a movie on its own merits without like kind of like the the fever of it and it clicked with me so much harder uh and like you know i didn't dislike it before i was just kind of like the gears are turning so fast they broke i was just like wow i don't even i'm like stunned by it i don't even know how to feel um but yeah seeing it the second time just really really it popped off for me i it's it's one of like the most visually captivating movies i think i've ever seen like and it's, it's crazy it's doing a lot too like, they're really taking a lot of liberties with including lots of different themes and different types of movies that we're familiar with and genres. Yeah. But it doesn't feel overwhelming. Like, it's very slick in its marriage of, like, sometimes it's a little bit Western. Sometimes it's a little bit noir. Sometimes it's a little bit, like, techno romance film. Like, it's crazy how it's really marrying all these different things and doing it very well. Yeah, I think that the craft that goes into this movie is very, very good. I read one criticism online that, like, someone was saying, like, it felt like a focus-tested Batman-esque Batman movie. And I was like, <laughs> I could not disagree more. Like, this movie feels... I think this is, like, a very risky, high-budget superhero movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, like the Marvel movies, like... And again, like it's not really a knock at Marvel movies. At this point, it's just like th- this is what they are. You have to you have to be into it, or like they're not for you. Yeah, they're a little but, like cut they're and very. Copy. They're cut and copy. They are comfort food. They are popcorn. They are roller coasters. And sometimes they have moments of really like good cinematic nuance to them at times, you know. But for the most part, like that's they're they're in one gear, and it makes them billions of dollars, and they're not gonna <laughs> change it. Yeah, they're not gonna stop. Yeah, right. And like I like that because you know it's nice to go into a movie and kind of know what you're getting. As much as it's nice to go into a movie and not know what you're getting, um, right? And people are not always in the later camp. But yeah, this movie I was just like, it 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 stunned me. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I just can't believe it was like this, and. Yeah, I think there's like, yeah, I think it's like a risky Batman movie. I think it's like a, I feel like there are elements of the movie that feel like, I think everything's really done on purpose, but I also feel like it has an element of like, it feels like sloppy almost. And I like that. Like, I like that it's not so like, like it has jagged edges to it, you know? Like, I love that. It doesn't feel like it came out of like the superhero fabricator machine and it just like is like 3D printed and perfect. Like, it it feels... (laughs) Like, it just has, like, a rawness to it and has edges to it that I think are really, really special and, like, really unique. hmm Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I'm curious, and we'll get into it later, what you think, like, the sloppier aspects on it. Because, really, my critiques are very few. Um, I really only have a few, like, tightening up possibly the script and the plot um, aspects to it. But some of it I, I completely understand because sometimes, like, the longer the mystery, it kind of mirrors some of the mystery later on in the film. So I'm into that, like, subterfuge of, like, making you think it's going one way, but it's really, like, going another way. And the movie does that a couple times in a very shocking and successful manner, I think. There were a couple times where I thought I knew where it was going, and then it twisted in a way, and I thought it was very clever. 
and we'll get into those um, later on. But yeah, I I agree with you. Yeah, I guess when I say like sloppiness to the movie, I don't mean that like it's bad filmmaking per se, but I just mean, you know, it's like not it, it kind of like using that Marvel movie contrast. Like there's just like certain things about it. Just it's like they don't feel safe. They don't feel calculated and kind of like harkening back to that one criticism I saw of it feeling like a focus tested movie. It's just like, I don't know. I can feel like a lot of movies like you can't take your kids to this fucking Batman crazy no are you crazy you take your kids to see this movie no i don't think so they say fuck (laughs) so early in the movie just like i did in this podcast (laughs) yeah i see what you mean yeah it's like a dirtier it's really grungy compared to like the squeaky clean marvel machine that they have going on on the other side definitely yeah yeah and like you know i like a i like a squeaky clean thing every once in a while but it's nice to get away from that it's yeah, exactly. Like I think, you know, even looking at a movie like Doctor Strange, I'm like excited for it cuz it looks a little bit like different, you know? I'm not sure how different they're really going to go with it, but it, it feels like it has some unique looks and aspects to it. And even like No Way Home, I was a lot of surprised by some of the filmmaking that happened in that movie cuz it felt a lot more like intimate at times before getting like even huger and like grander scale than it ever has before. For sure. Um but uh yeah, I mean and then yeah, this movie like it's a very one of the things I also really liked about it, it's a very, like, intimate movie. Like, they don't go to that many places. No. Um, it's never that many characters interacting at once. Uh, and, you know, it's it's because of it's, like, a noir story. And noir is, you know, a very intimate drama. You know, it's very much around the protagonist and how they are solving this, this problem and just kind of everything that comes with that. And I really, yeah, I really like that this movie... It does not feel super heroic almost ever. And I think Mm-mm. that's really, that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The, the set pieces in this film are also very impressive, impressive, like the production design. I think the costuming's great. The music is great. Um, the lighting, I was surprised. Um, I don't know if before your screening, Burge came down and gave his little spiel about how he did he did a speech yeah uh it the film is purposely dark um it was done on purpose and it sounds the way it sounds on purpose i guess some people have been questioning whether like the light wasn't up enough in the projector or what but i really like how it's like kind of hard to see it lends more to a realistic nature of the film than really bright and visible i don't think it's really trying to give the audience the answers, which I think is really fun and I really respect in a movie, but it's also not trying to be like too clever, like we fooled you um at the end right. of the day. Like it it it's all there for you to see and it trusts you as the audience to like pick up on things, which is really nice. Yeah. And like, you know, I like that uh I think a classic noir trope is that detectives are bad at their job Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like you know when you're watching chinatown like the joke about chinatown is just like oh jack nicholson's not that good of a detective (laughs) like he's like not really that good at it and that's kind of the same that happens in this movie it's like batman and and uh jeffrey wright's excellent james gordon um they and they have like probably the most fun relationship in the movie they uh they're just like not they're not like super good at the job but they also like what I really like about their relationship is that they really bring a lot of like humor to the movie, which has been also criticized as humorless, but watching it the second time, I think dialed more into like what its vibe is. I think there are times it's so dark. It's hilarious. And I think that you're <laughs> supposed to 
kind of be there with it, you know? Yeah. Or like they have like a, they have a joke about a specific they have two good kind of like almost running gags about like two specific like clues that are being left for them. And uh, they're really good. <laughs> it's just like really goofy. Uh, and I like that. And like, I don't know, I think. I think the criticism on like movies taking themselves too seriously, you know, I think that can be there. But I also feel like there's an element of like, how serious am I taking it? watching it you know how serious am i as the audience member taking this comic book movie yeah and uh yeah i think sometimes you gotta check yourself at the door before getting in there yeah i was glad to have seen it with the crowd that i saw it i saw it on a saturday the middle screening at story screen uh i saw it at three thirty, and the crowd was pretty packed it wasn't sold out but pretty close yeah. like ebbing that way and uh luckily the crowd i was with like laughed a couple times i think at those moments that you're talking about where it's like really dark yeah. but also very funny and i do my like story screen that. crowd also got it like yeah. they're, they're, when i saw it at story screen they really got it we saw it on imax there are times where like me and claire are like man that shit's so fucking funny and the audience the audience which again this theater's fucking huge it's right. just like so deadpan <laughs> and watching i'm like i don't think they get it then they're also like the classic like you're watching a movie and like the majority of the audience like laughs with something super weird and you're like why? <laughs> what is, what's going on? <laughs> so, so that's like, I feel like they didn't really laugh at any of the, the other, like, ama- like favorite character in the movie potentially is uh, Colin Farrell's uh, penguin. Mm-hmm. And everything he says is fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> everything he says is so funny. A vengeance. Uh, <laughs> and it's so good. <laughs> But yeah, I think there's also a lot of like really like little things a movie does. It's very different. Like you don't get a lot of comic book proper nouns in this movie. Mm-mm. Penguin's not called Penguin that often. He's really called Oz, short for Oswald Cobblepot. And like even Jeffrey Wright, when he calls like Batman, he's always like, "Come on, man." <laughs> he just says, "Man." And I'm like, I'm like, is he? It's like, is he calling him man? Because he's just like, you know, "Come on, man," or is it like, or is it like a cute like shorthand for Batman? Right. And I like to think it's the latter. Like I like that. And then, uh, like, I don't think they call Selena Kyle Catwoman once. No, they never did. Because it would, because it sounds insane in the context <laughs> of the movie to be like, so what are you, Catwoman? She's like, yeah, let's take that seriously. It's like, no. Right. Um, even though she she does have a line where she talks about, like, nine lives. I'm like, that's a little weird because none of us, because you basically aren't Catwoman at this point. Yeah, it's like she's, I mean, she's everything... Except the name, really. And they kind of, like, allude to, like, oh, yeah. you steal things. But in this context, they use it more as a driving plot point for her, not necessarily this is what she does. So. Yeah. Which is interesting. You're right. It's like they kind of took elements to seed her character, but they don't really yeah. go as far out to say, you're Catwoman. Her, her big twist is from, like, uh, a comic book that this movie is, like, really based around i i would Great. say like there's there's one comic book that is like very much a probably the biggest influence on the movie and they take from a bunch of other ones too and what's interesting also about this movie is a lot of the more contemporary batman comic books that they kind of seem to be gleaming from which is like really interesting because a lot of times you just kind of see batman stuff pull from the best and even in this movie like uh like long halloween is the comic book that i'm referring to and like this movie is like so heavily inspired by Long Halloween, but also like Dark Knight's a little bit inspired by Long Halloween too. But the way that they tackle it is very different. Um, but one of the things that's very there's a few things about Long Halloween that are very true in this movie, 
And one, it starts on Halloween. Mm-hmm. So you got that going Perfect. for you. Uh, visually, Long Halloween uses a lot of like shadows and like negative space, mm-hmm. which this movie does a lot as well. When you see Batman, like Batman is emerging from the shadows a lot of the time. Like the frame is sometimes just encompassed by black. And uh, that's very true to Long Halloween. And another defining characteristic of Long Halloween is that it's uh, at its core like a mobster story. Mm-hmm. And you see that happen in all the other Batman movies too. But I feel like none of the Batman movies really handle the mob stuff that efficiently. Like it's yeah. always like confusing, I feel like. And in this movie, I was like really dialed in and really just kind of like I get like I get who Falcone, how, who Falcone is. I get who Maroney is. I get well, how all the cops are fucked up. I understand what this relationship is like, you know? Right, yeah. Batman Begins kind of starts, like, getting into Carmine, and then they're like, all right, I guess this is just the plot point of this first movie. And then the second two in the trilogy kind of really go off that mob yeah. plot line. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, the mob, they're not really a big deal anymore. But it's like, realistically, they should be. So, yeah, I do like yeah. that this world is really baked in that that this is a problem it's going to be a problem it's not easily solved i liked all of that for sure yeah and they go to great lengths to explain and we'll talk about it more in spoilers so it's kind of like why the mob is so powerful and then it kind of leads into like one of my other favorite things about this movie is just like gotham city like finally feels like an actual like dangerous place like yes. gotham city feels like cuz it's never really like it's been like cool gothic architecture which is like that's cool, but in terms of like it be trying to be this like crime ridden city that just like cannot cannot be free of it. This is movie finally feels that way. Like it's gritty as fuck. It so just looks like a terrible unsafe place, and it feels like it's because like crime is like the major economy. Like you can be a career criminal in this in this world, and that's like you know a better like career path for you. And it's like you can make it. You can make a life out of that. And I feel like that's. That's never been so well visually communicated until this movie. Uh, and I think I think they do that so well. Yeah, I think maybe the only other property that's come close to, like you said, uh, really highlighting the fact that you could be a career criminal and that can be your job is Harley Quinn. But they do it in a very funny yeah. way. But they're like, yeah, this town's terrible. Let's see who is the best criminal. And like the best criminals fight it out to like take control of the city. And yeah, it's like, a stupid way to do it but it's really funny and well done but yeah this one also does the same thing just in like a really realistic gritty way and i liked too that gotham was the most closely related to new york i've ever seen it even though i know it was also you know shot in chicago you know what have you yeah i think i I think a lot of times the nolan one's very chicago adjacent looking yeah but i loved like the the main like Times square area I love, like, the Madison Square Garden area. Like, I really liked yeah. that they were really honing it in on New York City. It was cool. Yeah, I like that as well. Yeah, I love... Uh, there's there's just so much good stuff about this movie. It's also... It's it's finally... It's the first Batman movie to have good fights. Mm-hmm. I've been a critic of all the Batman movie fights. I don't really like any of them. I think he fights weird in his movies. In this movie, he fights good. He fights so good. <laughs> he looks so good when he beats the shit out of goons. But I also like that the movie, like, you know, it doesn't... It chooses it chooses when to pop off. And there's certain sequences that, like, really had my jaw on the floor. But, like, the moments of the movie that I really spend time thinking about is just, like... 
Batman looking moody as fuck looking at clues. And that's like my favorite parts of the movie. It's just like, <laughs> and you know, just we haven't really touched on it yet, but like Robert Pattinson is such a good Batman and adds a lot of pathos to like the Bruce Wayne Batman relationship that I just feel like I haven't seen before. And this movie hasn't, I don't think this is a criticism, but people have, have noted that like, you know, it's a very like emo gothic ass fucking batman movie and and yes like yes this is like the most like emo batman ever and i'm so here for it yeah i also really liked that his body his physique wasn't super ripped i liked that he was kind of just like pudgy under there like he had muscles he was muscular but he wasn't super buff which i really loved i loved that he was just kind of like this tiny emo boy outside of the suit and the suit's what really gives him the power but it's more of like the tactical know-how of how to use the suit, which was more important than, like, how ripped and physically active he was. I really liked how, like, mostly it was fighting with his brain more than anything else, which was cool. Yeah. And it shows, and, like, you know, there are times where you see Batman really kind of pushed against the ropes, and it's really believable. Because you're like, well, like, he's just a guy under there, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think that's the thing, like, like, why would this... Like the the Ben Affleck Batman is just like ripped to a in, insane degree where it's like I don't like to I don't want to look at this. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. This is just weird. Yeah. Um, and then I I feel like the Bale Batman was like a good um kind of he was like a lean muscle. Yes. You know, not to objectify these men, <laughs> men too much. Um, impossible. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Impossible. An impossible venture. Uh, I think I think our conversation around his Bruce Wayne is is something that should really be saved for spoilers because I feel like the times where his Bruce Wayne is doing anything is Interesting. pretty plot driven and I think can only really be talked about in context of kind of what's happening. But I do think his Bruce Wayne, you know, the short the short version of it's like I you don't see it a ton. I really like it, but in terms of like where it stacks up against other Bruce Waynes, I think you need another movie to really explore how he does that side of the character um because it truly is like you just don't you just don't see him that much you know yeah and i i do think too that a lot of the other properties have either dealt with like as in like gotham where bruce wayne's a child and you're still seeing bruce wayne as a boy or you're having these grown adult men play bruce wayne and they're like but he's an adult and you're supposed to believe like he's all figured out i liked that this bruce wayne uh pattinson's was you know kind of in between like sure he was like in his late 20s early 30s but he's still very much a child like he he's still wrestling with things he didn't seem like he had it all figured out which was nice yeah i mean the times a lot of times when you see him you know the few times where he's bruce wayne out of costume but not out in public he acts like a little fucking baby (laughs) he's a little he's like a little asshole and it's (laughs) and it's uh and yeah, like I also I like this movie really also it tackles like Batman's privilege, which none of the movies ever fucking deal with. And I even think there's like more that this movie could have gone into, but the fact that they even like kind of like mentioned it and like talked about it and also like really highlighted like Batman's like kind of problematic black and view look on law and stuff like that. Like this movie like yeah, I don't think you're supposed to leave this movie and be like Batman's pretty badass, right? It's like, you're supposed to even be like, this guy's a psychopath. And uh, I don't think I agree with his, like, moral compass, (laughs) you know? He's got a lot to learn. Yeah, and I think it comes from, and I think that's the thing, like, to have a Batman that that doesn't have it all figured out. 
Whereas like that's the all the Batmans we usually get are so hyper capable. They don't really have an opportunity to learn much. Whereas I think this one is a little, you know, he's he has a lot to learn to become the Batman that we really want, like the Batman that we kind of idolize. And I and I like that. Oh, yeah. I like that a lot. Definitely. This uh, this movie on a whole, pretty much with every character, made everyone seem a lot more human, which is a more engaging film to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I like, you know, I I like that Harley Quinn, the cartoon, can give us, like, the, the pastiche of all these characters. And, and honestly, like, you know, a, a truer kind of, like, trope look at all of these villains and heroes than we get to see. But this movie, like, really... You know, it's for grown-ups, it's for big boys and big girls, <laughs> and everyone else. It's for big, big, big folk, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's finally, it's finally a superhero movie for grown-ups. You mm-hmm. know, and it it finally <laughs> kind of, I I think that the big criticism of the Dark Knight Rises is that they didn't quite know where to focus when it came to its villains. Um, and yeah. I would agree with that read for sure. That criticism stands in my mind but i think this is also probably one of the first batman films or properties to spend enough time with all of the villains and it never feels like you're focusing on one for too long which i really liked too it it seemed like it paid them all their dues and you got to see each one like for pretty much the amount of time that you needed to um yeah because i mean ultimately there are three main villains in this i would argue one's probably a lesser villain but three villains overall is a lot to deal with and somehow they managed to touch on all of them with like enough gravitas and like dexterity that it all really meshed super well together yeah i think so i think you know making riddler like you know he's front and center in the marketing material but he's not like the you don't get a ton of time with him in the movie because he's really so much operating from the shadows and i think that works to to that strength you know yeah whereas uh you know i think the i I think this is what you're alluding to but like one of the biggest villains of the movie is falcone and and uh he is terrifying and he's great like that he's so good as that he's so good where he's kind of like oh he's like a real piece of shit when he's like doing bad stuff but he also seems like really cares i really i like want to hang out with him kind of <laughs> like you know oh big i'll smoke cigars but i want to like smoke a cigar with that guy i don't know yeah you just pick up one yeah just one i'll just, just hold, one. i'll hold him be like this <laughs> smells bad <laughs> i'm having such a good time yeah All right. <laughs> <laughs> i was telling heath after the movie that uh the actor and i'm blanking on his name and i can look it up during the break who played uh falcone in batman begins I thought he was mm. great cast. I think his name is Tom Wilkinson. I think that just came to me. Okay. Um, he was a great cast in that film. And then uh, this actor, which we'll get into, because I'll ask you, I saw the first trailer for this film, loved that first trailer. I saw the Hell second yeah. trailer, and I was like, all right, these are getting to be more of like normal trailers, and I don't think I'm going to watch anymore. Was the actor who played Falcone in any of the trailers, or was that like a surprise? You know, I'm not sure because like that character wasn't really like on my radar when watching the trailers. Right. I mean, he's such a big part of the movie now that you're seeing it. So like, I'd imagine he's in them. Um, Got it. Also, those, the second trailer and I think the Bat and the Cat trailer that came out afterwards – they gave away the whole fucking movie yeah. visually. It sucks. Like I feel I, the only real bummer I have going to this movie is like, I feel like I saw so much of it in the trailers, you know? Cause by the time we got to the end, I was like, 
all right well that's that that's that scene i think we're done <laughs> right i was like i was like pretty bummed yeah like i i didn't feel like visually i got a lot of surprises um minor gripe i still you know really had a good time with with the man but it was i thought that those trailers kind of give away too much i mean you can't beat that first tra- i really like the second trailer also but that first trailer is Tre magnifique yeah really fun i think it really nailed the the mood the vibe of the movie overall too the fact that yeah. the first trailer was kind of a riddle in itself very cool mm-hmm. Yeah, But yeah, that second actor who we'll get into after spoilers, because I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, uh, the the actor who got cast to play Carmine was excellent. And so. So good. So good. Yeah. Love to see it. Cool. All right, Byrne, you think you're ready to talk about spoilers for the Batman? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. All right. We'll be right back with spoilers for Batman where we talk about who dies and what that Irish little scamp Barry Cogan might be up to. <laughs> You'll find out. We'll be right back with spoilers. See you soon. And we're back with spoilies for the Batman. Seriously, if you haven't seen it yet, get the fuck out. And if you haven't seen it, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Greetings. Uh, one of my few actual criticisms I have in this movie that I do think is... Hear me out. Yeah, let's get into uh, it first. For sure. Alfred is not utilized... As well as I would like. That's I think. Okay, so I think I think that he, I like his like I, I love Andy Serkis as Alfred. I think his character is great, and I love the the bits that we see of his relationship with Bruce. Um, but I think the movie's afraid to be a little like you know kind of like we've seen him and Alfred do shit before, so I think the movie's a little afraid to give us too much of it, and. Uh, I just think he's not in the movie as much as I would like. And I think the relationship isn't as as explored as much as I would like. Because the times when they do interact, it's like they interact a little bit. And you learn that Batman's kind of like a fucking brat, which I think is great. And then uh, then there's the scene where Alfred like wakes up from his like coma. And the first thing Batman's uh, Bruce Wayne says to him, he's like, you lied to me. (laughs) It's just like, bro, he just opened his eyes from a bomb that got sent to him. That's basically your fault. (laughs) Yeah, that's so, uh, interesting because I think my only criticism of the film, and it is in a plot structure uh, premise, is so at the beginning of the film, we hear that Bruce has been operating as the Batman for two years. So yes. major kudos to this film for not having to go into like an origin story. I like that we already just dive right in. Very smart. I applaud Agreed. them. Um, But yeah, I think the mystery surrounding... What went down with Martha and Thomas Wayne and how it went down, who he was organized with, like how he had a relationship with Carmine, how he had a relationship with the the other mobster. I think yeah. uh, all of that, I, I get it as the intrigue, but I feel like when Bruce started working as the Batman and when he started fighting crime in the city... And the fact that Alfred's in on this, it's not like Alfred was just finding out now. Like, he's been helping him uh, down in the Batcave. Um, I felt like, wouldn't that have been the time for Alfred to be like, all right, Bruce, you're getting in all this crime stuff. Let me tell you the truth about what went down with your parents. Because, like, all of that intrigue and that building, I know it was kind of like just to, like, subvert what we thought what was going on and to give him that moment with Carmine, like, finding out, like, 
this is what's going on, thinking that he was lied to. That was really the only part of the movie for me that really, like, showed its length. And I get why it was in there. But, yeah, I agree. It was like maybe it was just because they didn't want to use Alfred as much. Because if Alfred would have come clean two years ago when (laughs) Bruce started fighting crime, it's like, yeah, I feel like a lot of that confusion and disconnect from the actual corruption in the city could have been helped. Like if Bruce is like, I'm going to fight corruption. And Alfred's like, I know a little bit about corruption, but I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, I I do like I I do think that there's a little bit of like a a, there's there's definitely something there with that criticism. I I think I agree with you because like I think the moment of Alfred telling him that like on an empathy level is really good. But I I think it may be I could see it being a little weird. It's like, well, how come that didn't come up earlier? But I do think it's because because Alfred never thought he'd be presented with. Because the reason that Alfred even tells him in the first place is because Bruce Wayne is telling him this lie that Falcone told him. So he's just like, all right, oh, yo, chill, 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 chill. That is not what happened. Right. I still don't know how your parents got killed. Um, but yeah, you would think that it's a little hard to believe that the this whole, like, Thomas Wayne paying off Falcone to silence but ends up being an offing situation. And also like the Martha Arkham stuff is like, that's cool. But like, no, I guess no one cares that she's been in and out of an insane asylum. Like that never came up before. And it's a little hard to believe in this internet era that it's like, it's like those things are such fringe knowledge that they get released in like a leak 20 years later. It didn't come up at all, but I guess you see stuff like that happen in the real world. But yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a stretch. I could see that, right? Yeah. Has, has Martha been in Arkham before? Um, is that a plot I don't point? know. I, I thought it was cool and I, interesting for sure. Um, but actually, it made me wonder as we were watching the movie, I didn't know if they were going to pull like a similar thing to like Joker did. I was like, oh, are they going to build up to the fact that, you know, Edward is really his brother? Like maybe Martha was put away in an asylum and then the Riddler was born and then I was like, yeah. how far is this cover up going? So I don't know. If- I thought that she might be alive. Like I thought there Ooh. was like a moment. Cause there's remember when he goes into the, the one door that has the locks on it. And I think it's his like parents, master bedroom. I thought that she was going to be in there, but on like life support and shit. And she's been in like a 20 year coma or some, something like that. And I was like, yo, that's crazy. Not what we got. Also probably would have been weird. I don't know why we needed that, but I just, you know, as you're watching the movie for first time, you're like, I don't know, they're doing, they could do anything. Who fucking knows? So, um, did you also think then that the movie was spinning webs to try to get you to think of these ridiculous scenarios? Or do you think we just have overactive imaginations and we were just thinking it might go places because we were just trying to figure it out? Like, what do you think the end game was with all of these like weird little tidbits of info that we're getting that didn't really lead anywhere substantial? Well, I think that. A movie like this has to be aware that its audience wants to outsmart it and also be aware that its audience wants to find every potential comic book reference and inspiration in its source material, you know, or like in the movie. So I I imagine that the movie is, is aware. It's why comic book movies have nods to specific comic books because they know we're looking for it. Whereas like this movie, I don't think it really gives us like too many red herrings, but there are things that it puts in there that I feel like is setting up future movies. Like the 
Martha Arkham idea is like interesting. And the idea is like, this is all bigger than you can imagine. Like, I think it goes higher than the mob. Are you familiar with like the Court of Owls storyline in the Batman series? Not super familiar, no. So it's a more like recent uh, Batman comic book arc uh, arc that I think came about with uh, the new 52 run of Batman books, which is kind of like a almighty reboot of superhero stuff across like the DC universe. So it kind of like modernizes and starts things at kind of like a more newer reference point. Uh, they do the same thing with like in Marvel in the early 2000s, they did an ultimate series for all the comic book heroes. So there's like ultimate Spider-Man where instead of him being a kid who's like comes up in the sixties and then just like is in his thirties and the nineties, just forever. Um, <laughs> he is a kid growing up in like the early aughts, you know? Got so it, he just yeah. kind of like mo- just kind of pushes the goalpost up a little bit. And new 52 is a little bit like that, but it's just kind of like hitting the refresh button. Sure. Sure. So, uh, court of owls is, uh, an arc in the Batman series where it's, uh, all these dudes wearing owl masks and you find out that they're kind of like they're basically like the Illuminati of Gotham City. Like they are operating behind like in the shadows. They are like the shadow government of Arkham City or of uh, sorry, of Gotham City. And uh, I I do think that there's a lot of things in this movie that is setting up like this is bigger. This goes all the way to the top. Like I think that there's some quarter owl stuff getting set up here. Oh, cool. Um and then there's also like the Hush story arc, which is where um, Edward Nigma was not who's not uh, Edward Nashton's yes. father, uh, the reporter. That's that's like kind of directly pulled from Hush. I'm not as familiar with Hush, but there's like a lot of that is pulled from there. And they even have like Hush money and Hush put on the screen where they're talking about Thomas Wayne. So there's like things they're pulling from, which is like, oh, that's interesting. And that's like a remix um, even like, you know, they, they kind of like combine like Hush and, uh, Riddler in, in a lot of ways in this, but it, it's kind of its own unique thing. So I do think that there's some, there's a lot of like setting up, but also I think there's at the end of the day, I think there's just a lot of really smart, uh, remixing happening with Batman comics in this movie all to service. Um, if anything, I think this movie just is in service of the almighty vibe. Like mm-hmm. it is just, this movie is vibe King. Hundo P and it's just like <laughs> everything in this movie is all about like it has to be in service of the attitude and the vibe and I think no matter what it's that's the thing that cannot be denied <laughs> about the movie yeah vibe daddy supreme for sure vibe daddy supreme <laughs> so you had mentioned too uh that Edward Nashton and reporter cover up were they implying that Edward Nashton the Riddler is the son of the reporter who died or I believe so. See, I didn't know if that was explicitly clear, but then you've seen it okay. twice and then you said it as well. So that was kind of answering now, that now question. I have, now I have doubts. Now I have <laughs> doubts. <laughs> I think that's what they're setting. I think I thought that's what they set up. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that would make sense too. Because to me, I guess maybe I missed that correlation in the film when I was actively watching it, but I did think about it afterwards. But Heath yeah. and I had a conversation in the car on the way home. Uh, in regards to the the gentleman at the very end of the film who almost took out the Batman and uh, Batman. oh, he like shoots him in the chest. Yeah, and then yeah. Bruce like really like wails on him and has to be stopped after he takes like the adrenaline shot. And then they lift up his his hood, and uh, Gordon asks him like, "Who the hell are you?" And he says, "Vengeance." 
Heath and I were trying to place exactly who that guy was. And because I had seen earlier, obviously, in the film when uh, the Riddler is caught at the diner and he has those two IDs and they're like, well, which one are you? And he was like, I don't know. You tell me. I thought maybe they were like seeding that he was a twin and that like the guy that was wailing Uh. on Batman (laughs) was him because his face was so messed up. But Heath was like, no, I Mm -hmm. think that was the guy at the funeral when the mayor died. So it's the it is the guy at the funeral. So there's two guys at the funeral who are Riddler guys at the end of the movie. Right. Which is Cool, which actually I didn't even put together uh, until Claire and I watched. Shout out to New Rockstars, who makes the best uh, Easter egg hunt videos of all time. And they uh, we watched their Batman one and that they mentioned that. And I was like, fuck, that's crazy. So, yeah, they are they're at the funeral scene, which is why you probably recognized him. Yeah, yeah. Which I did not put together because he's so fucked up by the end of the movie, too, because Batman just beats the shit out of him. Yeah, he doesn't really have a face anymore. Which yeah. is cool. I also cool think violence. that. And I like that also, yeah. like. Batman was called out on it. He was like, no, you shouldn't have done that to that guy. Yeah, I like cool. how everyone was kind of like, all right, so like, you good? Like, we saw you take drugs and <laughs> fight that man. <laughs> um, which I think, like, in lies, like, a really interesting... Um, so when he takes this adrenaline shot, it's green. Yeah. Which immediately makes me think, is that venom? Like, is that is that Bane juice? Right. Um and I wouldn't I, I would not say it's outside of the realm of possibility because, you know, with the invention of like drops in this movie, like the movie's very committed to making its own like drug world its own worlds, drugs and stuff like that. So like, yeah, venom has to be out you know, once there. you're once you're already, you know, sucking off getting drops on the street, venom's just the next step up, you know? You just gotta be doing you gotta be doing venom next. And I like the idea um of like maybe bad uh Batman being like a venom junkie or something like that, or him like maybe having some kind of like addiction to venom. Who knows? Yeah, that um, would be cool. but I love that scene where he's like he's so da- he's like so down and out, and he has to like resort to doing that just to fuck that guy up. Mm-hmm. Just to come back essentially from the dead. He was like, I like KO'd in that one scene for sure. Uh, yeah. See, I like that the the film a. Definitely benefits from a second watch, which speaks highly for the film itself. Definitely. And I like that it kind of sets up all of these like conversation points. Because, yeah, it's kind of a bummer when you get out of a movie and you're like, well, that was the movie. And like you don't have any questions. I think it's really exciting when you're in the car ride home or the walk home and you're like, wait, what? What did you think of this? Yeah. Wait, you, know, you have a different theory? Very cool. Yeah, it's not, it, it, you know, I love Spider-Man No Way Home. There's not too many different ways to interpret that movie. Sure. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, they got mad Spider-Man in it. Um, and they're all there. Uh, whereas, like, this movie, I think there's so much left for interpretation, but not just, of, like, what are they going to do next? Like, I do think you can have different perspectives on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, one of the things I really like talking about with people, I've really only talked, I mean, like, Claire's the only person I talk to in general, but also about Batman. <laughs> and, uh, but when we got out of it, we saw it with Mike, uh, the white knight of movies, Mike Burge. And we were talking about, like, Bruce Wayne. And we all had, like, a little bit of different interpretations of, like, his, the way his Bruce Wayne kind of acted and, like, what how we felt about it. And uh, mine was, you know, I really feel like Robert Pattinson plays Bruce Wayne as someone who's, like, really uncomfortable being Bruce Wayne because like when he's Batman, he's cause like, you know, to, to me and the way I interpret the Batman Bruce Wayne relationship is that 
Batman is the character. Bruce Wayne is the mask he puts on. So when he's like going out in public, and like you know when he's when he's Bruce Wayne, like when he's Bruce Wayne going into the iceberg lounge, like he's like kind of hunched over, he's looking down, he's like peak emo boy hair, um, and he just seems like very like kind of like unsure and very like he's not Mister Tough Guy. Whereas like in contrast to the earlier scene when he's going to the iceberg lounge and he's in his bat suit, standing up straight, all tough guy, all just like you know who I am. And I think they play those scenes against each other very deliberately to show you like. It's not that he feels like underpowered without being Batman. It's like he doesn't feel like he's in his skin. You know, he doesn't feel like he's himself. And uh, I think you even see that when he's like at the funeral and he's like he's wearing like a different type of Bruce Wayne there where he's a little bit more put together. But he's still like recluse. He's still this nocturnal animal in the light. He's still like cannot like he I just feel like he really plays that up well where it's like his Bruce Wayne is not fully developed, I think, very on purpose. And I really like the way that they they do that. And then he's like, you know, I like that he's a privileged little brat. And I think the movie has no shame in telling you it's like he is a privileged brat who's trying to do the right thing. The way a privileged brat fucking would. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think with previous Bruce Waynes, especially I'm thinking uh, more of like the Christian Bale Bruce Wayne, but they're all kind of painted as like womanizers. Like when they're seen out on the town... <laughs> You know, they billionaire playboy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's a fine way to do it. It's not like it's a wrong way to do it. But yeah, I do like that when the Riddler is really coming for his interpretation of who Bruce Wayne is, like spoiled, has everything. I like that Pattinson himself, he plays the character as if he has nothing. And I like that the Riddler's interpretation of why Bruce is in the wrong is because he has all of this money and he's not helping anyone and he's not giving of himself to Gotham. Whereas like Bruce, like himself is like the Pattinson version of him is, you know, very hindered. Like it seems like he's like a kid who, because this Gotham is so dangerous, probably after his parents died, you know, Alfred and Dory kind of probably kept him away out of the public eye. And so like, he's really kind of been a recluse. I mean, Possibly by nature as well, but like mostly by nurture. And so, yeah, he doesn't even really know how to interact outside of Wayne Manor or Wayne Tower in this. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I like that he doesn't really know how to act. He doesn't really seem to have social skills, which I think is cool um, because I think the other ones like put on an air of having too much social skills. Like they feel like they have it all figured out, like we said earlier before and this one's yeah, it's like it's hard to no. believe that he's this psychopath that wears the suit in the other movies yes and this one right? it like, very much makes sense so oh yeah no it makes more <laughs> sense it's just like yeah. I'm surprised he does anything else um, <laughs> right right yeah i i like that i do think in the in the Nolan movies as you know having rewatched them recently leading up to this one uh one of the things i kind of like one of the nuances i think i picked up on or just kind of like i don't know i guess it picked up on is the right word is is that I really like how Christian Bale plays Bruce Wayne as Batman playing Bruce Wayne. Yes. You know, when he's doing the womanizing playboy stuff, like there's a moment in the first one where Rachel kind of calls him out and he's just like, hey, this isn't this isn't me. Because in the scene earlier, Alfred's just like, hey, go do some fuck shit and, and like be a rich boy. And he's like, all right. <laughs> um, and then there are also moments where you, you kind of tell like he likes it. Like there's a scene, I think it's in Dark Knight before he goes to Hong Kong and he's on a boat and he's like drinking a gin, gin and tonic and it's like, 
you know, Alfred gives him his like bat suit and a duffel bag. He's like, all right, it's time to go fuck off and do stuff. He's like, all right. And he just like jumps. So like, I like his relationship with Bruce Wayne in that movie too, but I, I, it does feel like it's Batman acting. And, and I really like that. Whereas in this movie, it's just like Batman is the, is the true form of this character, um, which is unique and far more interesting to me. Um, and I, I think that's the thing about this movie too. It's like it's such like a Batman movie for like my sensibilities. Like it's like so, it's really it might be my favorite one just because it's like it feels like it's it's so weird and dark and cool and like that's exactly what I want out of a movie like this. Mm-hmm. And I like too that in his reality he does have Alfred, but he also has Dory, kind of like the housekeeper secretary for Wayne Tower. Yeah, which I think in the other Batman films. There has never been like a female presence in Bruce's life at home. No, it's there in the comic books. There is, but they put her there because there was like a lot of gay panic around <laughs> the introduction of Robin. Um, so all people were just like, "So these two guys are fucking, right?" And everyone's like, "No, no, no, they're not fucking." Aunt Dory is there to be there. Um, so it's a little. It's like pretty funny that they She's have her in, in this movie. Yeah, um, but she. Uh, I feel like it's it wasn't as well as I was talking about with Claire Claire's like is is Alfred a butler in this movie or is he like his bodyguard is he like the Wayne bodyguard and I was like oh I guess you're right I think he is like the bodyguard, bodyguard. they don't really he doesn't really do butler stuff I mean he like does the mail and lets people in but like bodyguards I think would kind of do that too right yeah for sure yeah so I think that's interesting so I feel like uh, yeah what is it Aunt Dory is her name yeah, her name right. is Dory. Is she Dory? Okay. Is she an I, aunt? I think is that what she you're probably saying? isn't. I think she. Was, I think she was Aunt Dory in the comics. I don't know if she's actual aunt. She could be. Who um, knows? They barely talk about her. She's only in like a couple scenes, but still. Because she's like something terrible has <laughs> happened. <laughs> cool timing with that scene, though. <laughs> Where you think yeah, it's happening? Edi- present time. The editing of that scene too. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of scenes that have really fun misdirection in it, like uh, the the interrogation scene in this movie, which. You know, it is rivaling the the Dark Knight Joker interrogation scene. I think they are both very good. Um, and the beginning of it where Paul Dano unmasked is being like, he's just saying Bruce Wayne over and over again. And you're like, oh my God, he, he knows. knows he's Bruce Wayne. But then he's like, yeah, we could have gotten him, right, right, man? And it's just like, oh fuck, he doesn't know. And like, I loved that misdirection. And I love the way that... Uh, Batman's body language changes like almost like he's like holding out hope to the last possible second it's just like he might not know he might not know he might just be crazy and then when he does say that he's like all right it's safe for me to like go up there and talk to him yeah yeah that was a very cool misdirect absolutely yeah and yeah I think Paul Dano we haven't really talked about him yet uh yeah phenomenal amazing amazing like a human body doesn't sound like that or move like that and he did both and it was believable and terrifying yeah i think it's he really like captures that like you know um was it kevin spacey in seven and mm-hmm. but also the the like um like in zodiac like in the zodiac movie they do so much with like they don't really have one actor playing zodiac and mm-hmm. he's like so many different people because like no one knows who to he is the so doubt, the movie kind yeah. of like plays plays on that um, and this movie does that as well, right? Like it has different Riddlers and like, even now when you rewatch the movie, you know, I, I almost wonder, I'm like, 
So even in the beginning of the movie, is that Paul Daniels Riddler doing that? Like, who fucking knows, right? Like, I don't know. How often does he have his minions out there doing Riddler stuff? Right. It's definitely him on the phone calls. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much all you got. And I, and I think that's really cool. I love him being um, a fringe uh, 4chan user. Well, <laughs> I think that's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's wild that they made a QAnon Riddler. Like, the Riddler yeah. is Q. And when... After, like, that mm-hmm. scene where you're seeing him, like, rally his troops and all of, like, the the users are commenting, like, what type of gun, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And yeah, you don't see, forget your saran wrap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you see the, the question mark that it's, like, at an angle and it looks like a Q. I'm like, how did I not pick up on this that they were making a yeah. Q and on Riddler movie? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean. Very clever. It, yeah. Very, very clever. And just, like, you know, another... It's crazy how, like, you know, this movie is, like, so grounded. It kind of makes the the Nolan movies, which were heralded for being grounded, kind of seem like sci-fi blockbusters by comparison. Like, um, I really love how grounded this movie is and, like, how low-tech Batman is. Yes, his tech is super like, his cool and believable. And very believable and, like, and not too flashy. It's, like, the, the most high-tech stuff he has is probably the suit and the contact lenses, Contact lenses like that, don't think we have yet. And if we do, I don't know about it. And that's terrifying. But <laughs> the the suit, and, and they don't really go into too many details about like what the suit is all about. They're just like, well, it's clearly bulletproof. Sick. And uh, if you pull a cord, you can do like a flying thing with it. You can become Sick. a bat. You can become a bat. And I also like that he shoots the grappling hook from his like wrist, kind of. I think that's very cool. Uh, and that's all you got. And even the Batmobile, like, it has kind of like a police scanner thing in it. Otherwise, like, that's just just a car. And it's the 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 car chase scene with him and Penguin is one of the coolest things I've seen in the movie ever. Like, it's so cool. And the sound design of it is like chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. And at the end where you get that upside down angle of batman walking towards him and the fact that his boots are like weighted it kind of sounds like there's spurs on it and you kind of get that like western variation on the theme they do the music it's so cool they do a similar thing in uh the mandalorian Mm because the physicality of mandalorian batman are are very similar at times and in the mandalorian they add a spur sound to kind of add that like western feel and it's funny because you're like he has nothing on him that would make that sound but you're like, all right, whatever. <laughs> you're like, I'll it take works it. Every time, like, because they do, you know, close up of his feet kind of walking and going towards like someone all fucked up. And you're like, yeah, that's he's he's, you know, sheriff coming into town. Absolutely. And I like that. Um, and then, yeah, you get that funny gag after that chase scene where the penguin Oz is all tied up. and He's like waddling. What are you showing me? What is that? <laughs> Rada halada. Sounds like a bat to me. <laughs> Oh, so man. good. And then when he's waddling towards his car, like, you guys gonna untie me? Like a little penguin. Like a little penguin. <laughs> like a little penguin. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. It's so good. Um oh, and also so uh Catwoman, her her being uh Falcone's daughter is direct Long Halloween. Or I thought it was in Long Halloween, but I actually think it's from Dark Victory. Which is, I think, the sequel to Long Halloween. But if you then the Long Halloween cartoon that they made, uh, that arc is in there as well. Oh, very cool. So that that is from that is a direct pull from the comics. But yeah, I think 
you know, I didn't want to talk about too much in spoilers, but yeah, I feel like you see Catwoman put on a burglar outfit and like steal stuff every once in a while. But her character is so much more in this movie about like avenging her friend or trying to solve her friend's murder right. and being Falcone's daughter. Right. Which is like, you know, which is like all cool, but it's it is just interesting. It's like, yeah, she just doesn't really do a lot of Catwoman stuff besides like, you know have long nails and have little ears and kiss Batman, which is all that's Catwoman stuff. Yeah. Cannot be denied, but. Cause yeah, it does seem like this is like the one long grift that she has been training for. She's infiltrated this club. She started working there as a dancer. She's been there for a couple years. Um, yeah. She's kind of gotten to know like the clientele and the women who work there. So she's really embedded in that. But yeah, so like the whole point is to steal the money from her dad but then you do see her obviously knowing how to break into a safe when she's trying to get Annika's passport right. back. And so you see that she has these skills. However, they never really mention that she is a thief per se. It always seems like the, the thieving that she's doing is part of like this one mission. But yeah. she's super great at fighting. She has all yeah. of these all of this gear where she like knows how to use all of this gear. So it is kind of implying that she is a cat burglar maybe but they're not giving you any like certainty that like this is what she does so yeah it 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 seemed yeah. kind of not confusing but purposely they were like leaving things out and i guess maybe they were implying like well you know what she does you know this character i'm not sure i think there's like a yeah no i think you're right and i think the movie kind of does a similar thing with alfred where it's just like it's it's piggybacking on the lore of what you already understand about batman which is the better way to do it, but I think it comes with some logistical hurdles because it's just like, all right, I know a lot about Alfred. I don't know a lot about this Alfred, who, right. guess what, is really different from, like, pretty much all the other ones, except for, like, maybe the Jeremy Irons Alfred is, like, a bit more similar to this one, but he's, yeah. it's still different. And the Alfred in um, Gotham, the TV show, is also pretty tactical and pretty, like, buff and can fight, so... Yeah. I think that's like kind of like a newer thing, in, even in the comics as well, where like Alfred has more of like a military background. I think in, in the Nolan movies, he's, he was like in the Navy and then I guess he retired in the butlerhood until he was 120 years old. I'm not really <laughs> sure how the timeline of that one works, but <laughs> right. um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I think and then with the Catwoman stuff, like and that's why when she has that one line where she kicks the guy off and she's like, don't worry, I have nine lives. It's just like, yeah, I, I know you're Catwoman. These people, like, just know you like cats. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's a little weird to say that. Uh, minor minor gripe. I honestly think it's funny and kind of worth it. But, it, yeah. yeah, I thought that was, like, a little weird. But I think it just comes with, like, you know, you want to tell a new Batman story that's fresh. You don't want to be bogged down by re-educating the audience on stuff we would already know, even though, despite there being a few nuances. And, uh, you know, just kind of being like, it's a year or two story. You just got to kind of run with it. I think... This is the better way to do it. But those are just some things I kind of noticed as watching it where it's just like, huh, I kind of would have wanted that explored a bit more. But we'll see. Yeah, because that was my main issue with that new Lion King that they did a couple years ago was that they so heavily mm -hmm. hinged the film on you being familiar with the story of Lion King that when they introduced yeah. Rafiki, Rafiki seemed like he was like batshit crazy, which he kind of is in the original anyway. But, a little bit, yeah. But they like introduced him and lines from the film without like giving him the previous scenes that he needed to like build to that character. 
Yeah, because so like, he's like Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Where he like you meet him and you're like, this guy's kind of crazy. But then you're actually like, no, but he's really wise, though. For sure. But yeah, there was like, I think a, a joke about his cane or some kind of joke where I'm like, dudes, you didn't put that earlier scene in this movie <laughs> like to build to that <laughs> joke. You didn't do the, the work. So, yeah, I kind of felt yeah. similar in this one. Just like they took a couple shortcuts. But I mean, can you imagine this movie <laughs> any longer? It's already three hours. Yeah. Like at one point, like I feel like there's been a few movies where I can't think of examples at the moment, but just kind of like, yeah, I would have liked more of this, but that probably would have led to just these problems, which I don't want. So it's just like, I'll take the minor issues I have here. Like, it's kind of like cutting your losses. You know, it's like, well, this I think makes the most sense narratively. We have to do it this way. That's fine. Yeah. And I really liked the last, you know, 20, 25 minutes of the film. But I will admit, I was definitely trying to be that person who could make it through the movie. I didn't want to pee at all. I wanted to catch it all. (laughs) I peed twice. I felt like a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, when they finally get Carmine out into the street, they bring him into the light. And that's great. I love the riddles, which we can talk about in just a little bit. But uh, when they got him out. And then the Riddler shoots from him or shoots him from, you know, his window. I was like, oh, thank God. Like, they're keeping the pace moving. Like, I can I can sit through this. I can last. Because right at that moment, I was like, yeah. I kind of have to pee, but I think I can make it. And then they did go into his apartment and they start looking around. I thought that was great. And then they get him in Arkham. And I honestly thought it was going to end with the scene in Arkham. But then how they had that, like, last oh, yeah. one big thing at uh, Gotham Square Garden where that took place. I understood that too. But then there's also like the little button with Catwoman at the end. So this movie earlier, I told you that like Sophia had said that people have been leaving this movie (laughs) because it does kind of feel like it has like a good, like natural three ways to end the movie. And they decide to go all the way, which I get it. It's funny because I think the, the way that they do end the movie when I was watching a second time, because I couldn't remember, I was just like, how do they end this again? And it's like, oh, he just rides off into the sunset going the opposite way from Catwoman, which is like, <laughs> is, which like is cool. But I was like, out of all the ways it could have ended it, cause it could have ended it with, I thought it was a little weird and like just a little weird, not that big of a deal, but like that they had the Paul Dano talking to the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was like, that's so easily could have been a post credit scene, but they put it there in the movie. And I think it's like, it's fine. I just think it's just, it kind of breaks the pacing of the ending proper where I'm like, I honestly think you could have just put it at the end of the movie. I understand why they don't. They're, they're not trying to do Marvel stuff. And like, once you do it, once you do it in one movie, you have to do it in every single one after that. So I'm like, yep. oh, they probably just don't want to do that, which is fine. Yep. Um, But I did think it kind of, it messed with the pacing a little bit of, of that ending. Cause it, it is like, it just kind of keeps going. And like, I thought they were going to end it because initially when I was watching the second time, I was like, oh, they end it when they're airlifting, airlifting that, that person. And he's and he's looking up. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the last shot of the movie. And there's like another 15 minutes. You're like, oh, never mind. It's, it's not. I, I love the um, uh, that this movie like basically ends on Batman doing something heroic for the people. Yes. And I think that's extremely unique. I think that's so cool the people's batman i and i love that that's his lesson of it's like i don't want to be mr vengeance i want to be mr hope and i think that is 
Oh, oh, it's it's really refreshing to see a Batman learn a lesson. Like it's really refreshing, and not like a lesson where it's like you know, Batman begins, he learns like, uh, I don't know. He's like, I, I can kill people, but not actually kill them. <laughs> this is like my takeaway. It's like I don't have to save you. It's just like, all right, you killed that man though. Just for the record, you killed Ra's al Ghul. Right. You you let him die in a train. Um, right. But and, and like obviously in in all the movies like there are little lessons you can kind of pick up on that he's like learning a little bit but there's actually like a, a concrete like moral lesson that he learns in this movie and I just love the shot of him like leading people out of like the flood with the flare is like that's cool. like that's like real like unique Batman stuff that I, I don't know if I've ever seen comic book or otherwise it's very cool Mm-mm. and yeah that definitely it communicated hope to the audience too just by watching that scene where he's leading the flare and you see the people and then the slow fade to the city and you see that like the people are in the same formation as the city and you start to see and you see it because batman is finally seeing it that like gotham yeah. belongs to the people and it doesn't belong to the underworld of crime and yeah, Batman's yes. like never really seen all of the good in the city. All he's ever seen is the bad. And he was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. like there is this other side to it. Yeah, it was a very yeah, seeing cool him, Seeing him warm up when the uh, person's in the uh, airlift um, stretcher and like they grab his arm and he like holds their hand for a bit. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's like like you never see Batman like interact with the public in that way. Mm-mm. Despite him being this like public defender, you know, like it's it's really it's really cool. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's this movie's cool. As fuck. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I also I loved how they set it up at the very beginning. I like that it only takes place over a short span of time. You know, it starts on Halloween, it ends like election night. That's like yeah. six days. So I like how tight the framing is uh, logistically Mm. for the film. And I also really loved the beginning where they really get into like what the bat signal has done for Gotham, how it's not just a call for for Batman, how it kind of acts in its own way as a crime fighting agent by when, you know, criminals will see it in the sky. They know Batman's out on the prowl. So they kind of maybe get a little scared. Maybe they tend to behave themselves a little bit better. I liked how all of that was like interplayed throughout the film as well. Yeah, they did yeah. really f- interesting things that seem so like there and easily reachable, but had never been done before. It's cool. Yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways, like we have to understand that like audiences in 2022 are more open to like comic booky stuff. Whereas I think there was a time where Hollywood execs were worried that audiences would not be super able to like accept comic books the way that they were. They had to be either uh, toned down uh, violence wise and made more campy and have more of like um, kids that can be involved in it. But now they've also they've they've found an interesting elasticity of the PG-13 <laughs> rating where it's just like. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's a PG thirteen movie. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I guess, like I don't know. I mean, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> um, they, I don't know, but sure. Uh, but yeah, I think like if anything, like this movie feels more Frank Miller eighties Batman than like any Batman movie ever has, mm-hmm. and and it's also but and it's also the thing that's like I feel like it's what people like always really kind of like wanted. I don't know. It's it's. I made a, you know, we all alternate our days for the story screen, uh, social medias. And on my day this past Saturday, I made like a Goldilocks meme of like her drinking the yeah. different porridges. 
And uh, and I just really think like you know when I see people just be like, oh these Batman movies are just getting darker and darker. I'm just like honestly guys like I don't think you like Batman movie like it's cool and that's like it's cool like there's shit I don't like that's fine but it's like I don't know like this there's we have now tackled every degree of type of Batman you can get and if you don't like any of them get guess what it's not for you guess what it's not for you that's fine that's fine but like you know don't let us let us like things let us enjoy things yeah I um, I do think with uh post Tim Burton Batman films when we were starting to get as I was talking about earlier uh like Batman Begins and when the first Spider-Man came out I felt like you're right it's kind of like a boomerang because back then it felt like these movies were made for people who like comic book characters and comic books. Yes. It felt like a genuine gift to those fans. And then as like Marvel started taking off with like Iron Man and you know phase 1 was successful, phase 2 became even more successful, I do right. think they started making action movies that happened to have a superhero filter on top of them. And yeah, because I saw someone recently post about Legion saying like it was so boring and like they gave up for the third season. And oh, they were like, idiot. And th- <laughs> I know. But their argument was, I like superhero stuff. I just couldn't get into this. And I told I kind of responded to them. I said, I-, I think what you're saying is you like action movies. And lately in the past decade, most action movies that come out in theaters are superhero movies. So you think you like superheroes, but I think you just like action films. And I think that's fine because superheroes are like wide ranging. Like you get like the cerebral stuff like Legion. You get the dark gritty stuff like Batman. Like there are different ways to enjoy a superhero movie. But as we've kind of said, like Marvel has kind of just made them action movies, which is fine. I'm not saying that's anything wrong with that. But it does seem like now that we're getting past... Like Marvel, Marvel's kind of realizing it too. Like, oh, we gotta start being a little bit more inventive with like WandaVision and Loki and now Moon Knight coming yeah. out. Like I think now it's kind of doing like this cool boomerang effect where they were kind of for comic book lovers back in like the early two thousands and it kind of felt niche when you were going out to watch like a Batman movie. Like I had to convince my girlfriends to go watch Batman Begins in theaters and they loved mm-hmm. it. But it, they didn't think it was going to be for them. And then yeah. the the later that went on with like the MCU, it kind of became for everyone because they're trying to attract the widest audience. And now, now with like this Matt Reeves, the Batman, you said like it was risky and he was taking gritty risks. And I agree. And I think that's great because it's like now it feels like it was made for us again as opposed to just like the general public. Yeah, it's nice to feel like the – the cone of this movie is not quite so big. I mean, it being Batman is going to have a pretty big like net of trying to catch people, but it's cool to feel something a little bit more like honed and tightened uh, and, and more like artistic in that, in that venture. And I think that's also like why Marvel TV kind of like what you're mentioning is like really exciting right now because it's a better format for comic book storytelling because comic books are meant to be issue by issue serialized. And I think that there's always been so many growing pains with comics becoming uh, into the movie medium and why that comic book movies had be, had to start like using movies as greater references more so than comics as references because they have to fit the medium better in the TV shows. They can kind of get a little bit of both, you know, they can kind of return to the comic book released formula a little bit easier where it can feel like it's issue to issue to issue. Right. That's a very and, good point. Uh, they can. Yeah. It, it just feels, it feels so much more true to like what comic books 
are. And it is, it's like, it is a true boomerang where it's like, well, now, like, you know, you're getting a limited run issue by issue Moon Knight series on TV. And it it's, and it's cool. I'm very excited for that. I think Moon Knight's going to be cool. Me too. Yeah. Looking forward to it. And, and yeah, WandaVision like gets to be really risky and like Loki is, is really good, but I think a bit more, um, what you'd expect from it. But like WandaVision, especially in the first few episodes, it's like, that's, they haven't done that yet ever in the Marvel stuff. Like that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting enough, they will be coming out with two TV shows in the Matt Reeves universe, one centering around Penguin and one that originally was supposed to be a GCPD show, which sounded lame with uh, Jeffrey Wright's Jim Gordon. But I think now it's pivoting more to, towards like, it's about Jim Gordon, but Arkham Asylum as well. Oh, it's supposed good. to be spooky. Spooky. So we will see how that goes. All right. Um, Burn, what would you like to see? What, what do you want the future of Batman? The Matt Reeves Batman to be? Um, Super excited because I was pretty sure I knew who that Joker was in the cell. Yeah. I was like, I think that's that little Barry Keegan. What a good year for him. A little skip. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was. Um. I definitely am excited now that I've seen that they can handle this story well, and I think they did a very good job with it. I'm I'm willing for them to get more into like the mainstream, like villains like the Joker. Um, I'm yeah. not as nervous about them kind of going into that territory anymore because I think they're going to have a lot of fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, for future stuff, I'm excited about these TV shows, which I knew a little bit about, but I didn't really know what they were focusing on. So. Yeah. Those both sound really cool. Um, but ultimately, I think it'll be great if they explore the tech a little bit more, because I thought the tech was really fun. And now that Batman kind of has like a new mission statement in his mind, I think it'll be cool to see like what he does down in the Batcave, because I really like the, the technical aspect of Batman a lot. Yeah. And I also really liked the detective solving and the the riddles were fun for sure, but now that the Riddler's behind bars, it'll be fun to see him put those like detective skills to use in like different ways. Um, and but now that Catwoman's out, what do you think? Are we going to get like another female protagonist? Do you think we're going to see some Poison Ivy? Like, I would love to see some more like female stuff going on, but I don't really know what yeah. that would be now that they've kind of said like Selena is leaving the city. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because Selena, she says she's going to. Bloodhaven, mm-hmm. which is generally where Nightwing operates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had like a little bit of a running theory where I'm like, well, maybe they don't do Nightwing and Robin, Nightwing and Robin the way that we expect it to be, where they are like young wards of Batman. Maybe Nightwing is already operating. Oh. You know, he's he's coming up the same time as Batman. He's like kind of his own guy doing his own thing. Maybe they have to team up. Maybe they don't like each other. I don't know. So maybe we will see Selena Kyle again. In terms of like more female representation. Um, you know, uh, these movies are for boys. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, so I, I, I kind of think we should have less of them in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think, I think that, uh, fleshing it out with more female rogues gallery characters is always really interesting. I think that in terms of doing a gritty, realistic approach that Matt Reeves is doing, I think that Poison Ivy is a great choice for a villain making her some kind of like eco-terrorist, I think would be really cool. Uh, I think she would be really fun. Uh, I would also like to see, like, more female heroes. I mean, we had, like, uh, the mayor in this movie, or the woman running for mayor, who who seemed like an upstanding gal. But I would also like to see, you know... I would love to see, like, 
Batgirl or Batwoman done well. Uh, I would love to see, like, you know, uh, up and coming vigil. I think they, they handle it really well in the Harley Quinn show, as they do with their star studded guests, star studded cast of female protagonists. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you know, seeing, like, uh, Jim Gordon's daughter kind of coming up and trying to, like, you know, really f- follow in, in Batman's footsteps and, and maybe that relationship and seeing what's happening there. Um, or even, you know, doing some gender bending with some characters. Like, I'm, I, you know, I know that, like, is a bit of, like, a debated topic on, like, you know, should we change the gender of certain characters uh, to add more um, diversity into these stories, or should we just create new characters that are diverse to add diversity to these stories? And uh, I think a good balance of both would be interesting. So, you know, like, maybe we get a Mr. Freeze, but it's actually Nora Freeze, and it's a twist on it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I think I, that that stuff does not bother me. Like, I, you know, I, I don't really care, and I, and I think it's, like, fun and exciting. But I would like to be surprised with new female characters as well that uh, really flesh out that diversity pool of Batman, which, you know, as much as I like it, it's a little bit uh, one note in terms of its color palette at times. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think gender bending is great if it's done with intent and purpose. Yeah. Like you said, rather than just like, haha, look what we did. We're covering our hey, bases. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, mm. Agreed. I do think uh, the, the fact that Rachel is such a prevalent character in the Nolan trilogy um, but just wanted to say that I thought it was really cool that Maggie Gyllenhaal, the Rachel from the last two in the Nolan trilogy, her husband, Peter Sarsgaard, was in this one. So it's oh, like, oh. Is, I didn't know. I didn't realize they were together. That's funny. Yeah. So it was kind of fun to see him on screen and be like, oh, keeping it in the family. They, they yeah. can now both say we're in Batman movies. It's cool. I would I would like to see like a female character in this movie that has a lot of screen time and isn't just a romantic interest for Batman. Yeah. I think a lady Nightwing sounds really cool. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, that sounds really. I think that sounds really neat. Um, things that I want out of the next Batman movie, which gives me anxiety even right now, because <laughs> they have not announced that they are making another one. Sure. So please don't fuck me on this, Warner Brothers. Uh, they do the same thing with Dune, though, where they're just like, "Yeah, maybe we'll make another one." I'm like, "You called it? Come on! Like, just tell me you're making another one." Uh, I really like where they leave off Gotham in this movie, that it's like flooded mm-hmm. and that they're talking about that it's a kind of martial law in place and that there's this power vacuum going on and we have kind of like our players kind of set up to who might be trying to take control of Gotham in that way. So I really like that. And I think that um, uh, there's a Batman comic book called, I think it's Batman zero hour or day zero uh forgive me if i'm getting it wrong but it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic batman story where it's him kind of like you know it's a little bit of like a bombed out gotham city and it's him kind of trying to like you know do his thing there so i think there might be like some elements i don't even think it's i think it's i think it is flooded so it's like very it seems very kind of mirroring that storyline and maybe he needs help from someone else to help him do that um so yeah i would like to see that but i really you know in a potential matt reeves batman trilogy what i would really like to see is by the end of it uh robert pattinson becoming the capable bruce wayne that we the capable batman slash bruce wayne that we kind of know and love and idolize but 
his journey to becoming that his journey from a year one to a year, whatever, you know, like of a, of a masterclass Batman. I think that'd be a really fun journey with the trials and tribulations that come with that. I really would love to see that. And I really hope they do quarter owl stuff. And I think that'd be a really fun trilogy capper where it like, you get to the third movie and then you realize there's this like Illuminati group that recontextualize the other two movies. And you realize that they've been behind things even in the first movie and stuff like that. I think that'd be really fun. Um, but I just also really hope that like they find really creative, um, film templates for these next movies too. Whereas they use Zodiac and seven as like, kind of like the, the palette for this movie. I hope they, they keep finding other just like really interesting films to to put batman on top of because i think that is working out really well for them and i think that's an experiment i want to see explored more but i i think the the future is bright for gotham city uh i believe in harvey dent (laughs) and we'll uh yeah we'll see yeah do you think they would ever bring like a raven or like a starfire do you think they're ever going to like tackle more of like a extraterrestrial lens in this batman world or do you think they're going to keep it pretty pretty close to home just really kind of focus on earth i i'm kind of like bummed that the only thing i'm bummed about this like really gritty retelling of batman is that it doesn't leave a lot of room for the fantastical right i kind of agree um which is like which only is a bummer because in the last trilogy we also had the same problem where it's just like you can't really do like you know so you I, i think that there's a lot of creative solutions with like how do we ground how do we ground these characters in realism that is always really fun um but like the pool just gets smaller in terms of like interesting characters you can deal with to my knowledge i mean like you know they they could be surprised matt reese recently had an interview saying he'd love to do a grounded mr freeze Mm -hmm. you know like how do we how do we translate mr freeze into that so and and i have confidence in him to kind of do that everywhere but yeah i don't i don't think in this series, we will see more fantastical Batman elements, which bums me out. But when I think about the Ben Affleck Batman movies where he is literally like being the shadow of aliens, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I don't want that. Well, they took it too far. And <laughs> yeah, I think they, took agree. A, they did take it a little too far. Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, it'd be cool to see like a, a really powerful poison ivy that has like pant, like plant controlling powers. Um, but I also am just personally am just as intrigued by a, a poison ivy that, you know, makes toxic notions and potions to do her eco terrorist rule as well. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I do think it's a bummer we don't get to see more of the fantastical supernatural stuff right now. Yeah, I think that's high praise that you're giving this film that you could see it going either way in the future because you trust them. And yeah, he's yeah. he's proven himself that he can do a great film. And yeah, the fact that he did take certain tones and themes from other types of films and overlay it on top of this. Now he kind of like set himself up that he could do a different series of those and still be successful yeah. for sure. So I think. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I think I think that the next movie cannot be like quite as gritty and quite as like you can't use you know it can't be a noir necessarily right no i think it'd be i think at that point it's like no we have to kind of figure out what the new direction is what the new palette is mm-hmm. but like you know if it's if it's like a joker riddler breaking out of prison story 
I think you have an opportunity to make Joker a real fucking psychopath. Like, there's some Zack Snyder comic books where he, like, cuts his face off and wears his cutoff face on his face and he's all, like, fucking jacked up. Oh, yeah. So I think that there's, like, there's opportunities for some real, like, crazy Joker stuff that could happen to actually make him, like, you know, pure psychopath, which um, is the only interpretation left for the character at this point. Like, we've seen a lot of Joker. There's only so many ways to really do him. So I think the, the challenging way is like, well, how do we actually make this one different? But even just having like Barry Hogan keep his Irish accent and be Joker is like, okay, this is already different. So I'm really excited for that too. But yeah, you know, I don't know. I think the movie would be biting off a lot if it has its sequel deal with Joker. I agree. Much in the same way Dark Knight does. It's just like, all right, man, you're chasing the goat. Mm-hmm. So you better, you know, tread carefully. Exactly. But, uh, the, yeah, we'll see. The fact that you can see Keegan's teeth on the side of his mouth, like, yeah, they're they're teasing that that Joker is fucked up. That his yeah. mouth is actually huge. Like, something happened to him. Like, it was yeah, a very is, cool image. Yeah. I, I really hope we see that. And, yeah, I don't know. I They have, as much of this movie, like, ends and, like, you know... Matt Reeves said he made it with like, you know, he only made it with one movie in mind, not with sequels in mind. Good it's for just him. like, sure. Good for him. I don't believe you, but that's fine. <laughs> they but they leave they leave enough like up in the air where it's like there's a lot to grab onto and there's a lot to do. Um and yeah, I just I, I'm excited for what's next. I hope it happens sooner than later. Um But yeah, I I'm very excited for this future of Batman. I think I think it's cool. Um, at the very least, like, I just love that, like, this movie is very, like, you know, it, it, in some ways it feels like back to basics for yeah. Batman. And I think that's really cool. I think that's that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see this uh, making it on a few lists at the end of the day, at the end of the year. I we'll think it's see a high how 2022 contention. goes, yeah. but, uh, you know, I don't always put superhero stuff on my list, but this movie pretty good. is cool. It's pretty good. But I was going... Score on vinyl when? Oof. Score on vinyl when? I know, the music was so good. <laughs> so good. Um, And very, like, recognizable. I will say there are some movies nominated for score for this year's Oscars, and I'm like, I can't remember the music in that. Like, what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah which is a problem. If you're going to nominate it for best score, it's like, well, it has to make an impression. But the Batman, yeah. like, the music is impressionable. It leaves a mark, for sure. Yeah. It feels very Danny Elfman-inspired, like, from yeah. the Burton Batman movies. And and in that same way, um, it has very animated series, so it's like, like it feels like, it feels familiar, but also, like, so fresh and new. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. I was going to ask you one last question. So at the the end credit scene uh, where it says goodbye, there was a little flash after the goodbye. What was in there? Is there a URL in there? Since you've watched, I figured. I've watched many. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a URL to, I think it's radaalada.com. Oh, okay. And it's basically, which uh, there has been like a, um, what do you call it? Uh, ARG campaign or marketing for this movie that's been around Love for it. the weeks leading into it. Love it. Um, and it's very similar to him typing on the, the, the black screen, you know, uh, matrix esque him typing on the black mm-hmm. screen, the green text and answering riddles. Mm-hmm. And in this, so 
Uh, I watched the video kind of breaking it down, so I have missed. I haven't done it myself, so I'm gonna skip over some of the details. But basically, there's like a joke. There's a Riddler cipher that you're solving. You're going through all these things, but Fun. the culmination of all of this running around is that you complete the cipher, but there's a letter missing, and it's J for Joker. Joker. Got it. Um, so that is the interpretation. So we'll see. I mean, what that they might use that website for more stuff into the future. I'm very curious. I mean, like, I think it's pretty much a guarantee we're getting another Batman in the series, cause, especially because they're doing two TV shows mm-hmm. in the same universe. So I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, well, you don't just expand the universe without making a sequel. Yeah, they wouldn't right? bookend like, be... it with Gordon. Like, they wouldn't do that. Yeah, that seems kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I'm very tired of Batman stuff with no Batman. I, I really am not inter- interested, but I will be watching the shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, Batman, no Batman is not really for me, but I will deal with it. Fair. And uh, yeah, so yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, I imagine in the next like week or so, they will announce that they're making a Batman 2. And I think pre-production has already started. Probably. But we shall we shall see. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about the Batman before we wrap up this this very special episode, Brenda? I mean, I'm sure there was more we could have really talked about, but uh, yeah, this is a good stopping point. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, I look forward great. to watching it again. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to even hear more of your thoughts as you watch it a second time because it really uh, I didn't think I would get so much out of the second viewing as I did, and I was like, damn, I'm really. Just felt like more strapped in than I even ever was in the first the first go around, and I really liked it the first time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, whew. So yeah, nice long episode for you guys. Uh, you know, we only get so many Batman's in our lifetime, and here's this one. Here's so, this one. Uh, here's this one. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Hot Takes. Hot Takes isn't the only podcast on Story Screen. StoryScreenBeacon.com is a host of many podcasts, articles, and reviews. If you want to hear more from Bernadette. She has a show called Catherine Raycast where she covers a lot of really cool TV shows that comes out about once a month. Uh, we are also both on our members only feed where we do really weird niche podcasts mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where we cover actors and directors filmographies or concepts <laughs> that we somehow flesh into episodes. Uh, right now, Mike and I are doing a series on the filmography of uh, Denis Villeneuve, which uh, you may know him from his most recent uh, Dune movie or movies like Prisoner and Enemy. So that's been really fun to explore that. Bernadette, are you still doing the Colette series? Yeah. How many more do you got? We have one more episode proper of the Colette stuff where we've been covering all of Tony Colette's filmography, uh, whether it's film, television shows, weird little music videos. Uh, we've been covering it all. Um, we have one more episode of that, which should be dropping in April, I believe. Okay. Maybe in March. We'll see. Definitely in April. And then, yeah, then we have like, I got like four little Tony Collette projects that aren't in an episode yet. Because uh, we're just building up a full episode of, we'll probably do like a 2022 culmination of like things that she's released. Um, but yeah, we're still doing it. It took a long time. <laughs> yeah, I am. It colored me impressed. Yeah. I think, uh, was it, I think Mike and I did like three different <laughs> like podcast series in the time we've done Colette stuff. <laughs> I mean, good for her. She, she eating. She working, you know? Yeah, she's busy. She's a busy lady. She's, she's employed. Yeah. yeah. Booked <laughs> and blessed. Booked and blessed. <laughs> Damn. 
Well, yeah, so for $5 a month, you guys can head over to that feed of exclusive content and check that stuff out. Uh, but yeah, the best way to support us, like, share, subscribe, talk to us. Uh, head over to uh, Beacon, New York to check out our uh, movie theater. And you can also go to Wonder Bar, which is a cocktail bar and lounge. All those details are on our website. And uh, until next time, keep watching movies. And uh, I'm Vengeance. I'm also Vengeance. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.